Hey, what up? RK here. Um, what you're about to hear is a interview with uh, Stephanie Eskander. She uh, has been a toy designer for her whole career uh, and worked on so many different things for every company you know. Um, she's been uh, through all of them. And particularly, I wanted to call her and talk about WWF Wrestling Buddies for our 1991 and Toys podcast. And uh, not only did she design them, but she did so much other stuff. We talked about everything from um, wrestling buddies to popples to the state of the toy industry now, uh, what it was like in 1991, uh, what uh, difference the toy industry has not having Toys R Us or KB, a lot, a lot of stuff. Uh, I was going to upload this immediately after our Toys in 1991 show, but I was stuck in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania is the snack food capital of the world. All the junk food you eat comes from Hearst chips, Wise chips, um, Utz chips, Snyder's pretzels, uh, Just Born peeps, and hot tamales, and Mike and Ike's, uh, and of course, everything from Hershey, uh, Reese's included, <coughs> out in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So I was in Hershey all week, and I didn't have time to get this uploaded. So it's uploaded now. Uh, enjoy it. Head up bradyears.com for a link to buy her book, Toy Stories, The Secret Life of a Toy Designer. Uh, it's full of great pictures and stories of her life in the toy designing industry. It's a great, great pickup. And this is a great interview. Uh, enjoy it. Thank you. I do. Great. Thanks. Wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time out to do this. Uh, you've become... Uh, I think it all started with maybe Fig Heel you did an interview with. Yeah, yeah, he's the one. He started me off. Oh, my goodness. And now uh, I start following you on Instagram. I have your book in front of me, Toy Stories. Um, uh, not only, uh, of course, I I was born in 82, so a wrestling, I, my Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy was my life. But uh, I had a, <laughs> a, a, a sister who was about three and a half years younger, and uh, your work was her life. <laughs> uh <laughs> so it's um it's funny how that happens right well it's funny because of course you know we designers had no clue i mean that this that that things that we did were going to be as meaningful and significant as they turned out to be you know i was one of the few designers that i worked with who was also a mom Right. And, uh, you know, a lot of my colleagues were single, which is there's nothing wrong with being single. Um, you know, so I would bring toys home to my own kids and they played with them and, and it meant something to them. But, you know, you kind of you're being a toy designer, you're in a real isolated situation because you can't really talk about what you're doing because of confidentiality issues. And so, you know, I didn't really talk about my career very much or things that I was doing um, for for a long, long time. Uh, I mean, people knew I was a toy designer, but they'd always say, well, you know, what have you designed? <laughs> and, you know, I'd say, oh, I work, you know, because it, mo it, mostly in toys, you're working in teams, especially as you, you know, read in my book. Right. I'm pretty clear that that we're we seldom are doing anything completely alone and completely uh, entirely hours from start to finish we're often working in teams and and you know i was part of teams that worked on you know gem for example or cabbage patch kids or rainbow bright and uh, it it i i never really felt comfortable kind of bragging about any of those things so i uh, i didn't really talk a lot about it my kids knew what i did even recently as i've been in the last couple of years, as I've been posting daily on Instagram, mm -hmm. sharing a lot of my my toy designs, um, you know, every day I come in, usually come into my studio, I go through my files, I uh, go through my computer files and my regular files to see what I'm going to post each day. And my husband would come in and, and I'd be, you know, shuffling through stuff and he'd say, I've never seen that before. <laughs> I didn't know you did that, you know, and it's it's kind of true. I mean, I've I've got a file cabinet, a computer, hard drives, portfolios, kind of jam-packed full of stuff. And it's only been in the last couple of years that I've really started 
organizing it and documenting it. My book was kind of like my opus, you know, to uh, to share uh, not everything, certainly, but kind of a large segment of my career, but also just what it was like and what it is like because I'm still designing toys. Uh, you know, to be a toy designer, what what that is, it's not all glamour, it's not all success, it's not all, you know, million dollar toys or awards or anything. We don't really get credit. Yeah, there, there are a few celebrity, a few celebrities that get credit, but we don't get it. We don't expect it or want it. I was telling my husband this morning, I said, I'm really kind of a little uncomfortable with all this attention I'm getting because <laughs> I'm really not, I'm, I'm not a shy person, but I'm also very um, reluctant to, you know, I don't like to brag or, or make it sound like I am an important person or anything. I'm just a humble designer who was very blessed to find a career that was perfect for me. And not everybody has that, you know, some people have jobs, some people have careers, some people are lucky enough or whatever to find something that's perfect for them. And, and toys just ended up being something that was perfect for me and my skills. And then what, what wasn't perfect, I developed, you know, as time went on and saw necessity to become more, uh, more, what's the word, um, flexible, more, um, I guess, um, I guess what I'm really looking for is, is I needed to be valuable right. in my industry. I needed to have the kind of skills that would make me uh, relevant. And, you know, after I, I worked a, a roughly half my career, I worked full-time as a, in what we call in-house toy designer working for toy companies and about half my career freelance. And um, I, I worked for 10 years, 11, actually it was 11 years full time before I freelanced. And then I worked for the next like 11 as a full time or a freelance designer, had my own business in California. And then I went back to work when the recession hit 2009. And then I worked for another, um, let's see, six, seven years. And then I've been freelancing ever since. So it's been, you know, kind of a variety of experiences. And But all of this social media stuff has been kind of uh, humbling to me because I get to hear the stories from people of what different toys that I worked on meant to them. And right. that's, to me, that that's what it's all about. I mean, honestly, um, there's a lot of reasons why people become toy designers and there's a lot of different kinds of toys, as you very well know. There's, uh, you know, I, I came into the toy industry when we had traditional roles. You know, you did girls' toys or you did boys' toys, and rarely did you ever cross that line because that's how the groups were made. But it wasn't so much just girls or boys, but it was categories like dolls or action figures or vehicles. Uh, preschool toys tended to be a little bit more, you know, gender neutral. You were designing things that would appeal to both boys and girls who were, you know, under maybe four years old. Right. But generally speaking, we we divide toys up by um, by category. And I was, you know, on the girls' side because my style of artwork was to be cute and sweet and pink and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and, and I crossed the line when I was at Hasbro in 1986, I was asked to contribute to a, a line of novelty toys called belly buttons, which is in my book. And, and I think the reason I, w- I was the only woman, the only female who was asked to contribute designs. And I, th- I think it's just because I had pretty strong drawing skills. And so they just gave me a shot at it. And I was able to draw these kind of crazy faces that were almost not necessarily monster like but were more appealing to maybe little boys and little girls and uh that that was a fun project but it wasn't really until wrestling buddies that uh you know i was given a project that was so out of my depth for um sure what i was used to not not out of my skill depth because my background is as an illustrator. And so I had certainly through at that point in 1990, I had been 
an illustrator for, let's see, um, since the mid-70s. I was actually an illustrator for 10 years before I got into the toy industry. So I had certainly drawn things that were stranger than wrestlers. Yeah. Dancing tacos comes to mind when I was (laughs) dancing tacos working for what was that for? I was uh, an I was an advertising illustrator for Gray Advertising in Los Angeles, and one of our biggest accounts was Taco Bell. Oh, so uh, let me tell you, that was early Taco I, Bell. I did a lot of, yeah, I drew a lot of tacos. But anyway, um, I digress. So uh, you can you know ask me questions anytime. I, I'll just talk if <laughs> I, so if left to my own devices. I, I feel like go ahead. Some uh, one of the reasons you blew up in popularity, and it's it's pro it's. It's not probably. It's the same reason why our podcast is popular, our, our Instagram, the Rad Years. It, it reminds me of that, that Prouts Madeline's, that story of when he ate that cookie, that tea cookie from his childhood, like a flush of memories came over him, um, uh, the, the philosopher and writer. And like, like, for instance, in 1985, when you were at Mattel and you worked on Popples, uh, uh, my, right. my girlfriend has, um, what is his name? puzzle popple on her bed in her office right now like it like that for her uh, and my sister w- uh, was a huge popples fan like they were they were massive uh in that period of time and they're very much an 80s toy like if you th- think of 80s toys popple is something that pops to mind uh, but for me wrestling that's that's yeah. that, no I'm, I'm sorry Come oh on. i was just uh, let me let me just backtrack to the popple story that's that's a really funny story because um of course uh, when I when we designed Popples, I, I I left. I was only at Mattel a little over a year. During that year, I was you know as you mentioned, I was part of the Popples team, and did really had a pretty big contribution to the the final look of the Popples. And, but then I moved on to Hasbro in early 1986. I did bring my um, my prize Popple with me and kept kept it on my shelf. I still have it in my office today. It's the only one I actually have. I designed the, the little pocket popples and then the, the were they bouncy? a lot of the look. The... No, they weren't. They were just, they had vinyl hands and feet. Okay. And a, a little vinyl like face mask kind of, I mean, the face was vinyl and instead of plush, the rest of it was plush or actually it was more of, there was a little plush on the tail and, and stuff. And the rest of it was um, brush trico, you know, a soft, blankety fabric that we used i actually don't have any of those my daughter has so anyway i was going to tell you a little story about the popple so my youngest daughter who wasn't even born when i did the popple she was actually born she was my i guess she would say she was my tonka girl she was born when i was at tonka so at the tail end of wrestling buddies just before tonka closed she got married a year and a half ago actually it's been almost two years ago and she married into a family of popple fanatics <laughs> and when she discovered that her future in-laws sisters and her her husband is from a very large family a lot of siblings and they all love popples i became an immediate icon to this family they just you know her husband had loved popples her sisters-in-law and brother-in-law they all love popples so it was it was kind of funny because i've gotten more um popple love uh lately you know because a lot of it because of my uh my daughter's in-law family i just thought that was really sweet that they all they're all a little older they're all a little older than her so they you know they loved popples as children so i guess i'm legendary in their family (laughs) well um have you seen the the funko pop popples that they just released I actually have, and I was going to get them. And I, you know, I designed the eyes of the original Popples, which are, you know, really cute. That was kind of a, my my first foray, and I love Funko Pop. But there's just something about those black eyes. I can't decide if I'm going to get them because they don't. I was actually thinking about getting them and then painting my eye design <laughs> on their little black. That would be eyes, awesome. But, I might do that. Oh, I think they're darling, you know, of course. Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't have any. Um, I uh, actually have, I bought my girlfriend and my sister, the PC pop all target one. And I have, I'm staring, I haven't given my sister hers yet. It's in my office right now. I'm staring at it right now. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah you're that's right. a good one. The, the eyes are very black. That's the thing with Funko. 
certain things it works yeah, for. Yeah, that's and, what they do. And certain things it just doesn't work. So, so you got to pick which yeah. ones you like the best. Um, now, jumping ahead to from after you left Mattel, you went to Hasbro. Um, you didn't bump into the WWF uh, division when you were there, did you? I don't think they were there yet, or okay. I don't. I don't think so. I was there. Okay, my my trajectory at Hasbro I was there for four years, and I worked three years in the in the girls group. So mm-hmm. I was. I mean, I'm sorry. In the, I was in the girls group, but I was in the dolls group. So I worked on Gem. I worked on Moon Dreamers, Maxi, Dolly Surprise, My Beautiful Doll, uh, Love a Bye Baby. Um, I'm trying to think if I miss anything. Anyway, um, my my fourth year, um, the Dolly Surprise was a doll that I worked on in the dolls group, but it was it was sold in, under the Play School brand. Play School was is is part of Hasbro, mm-hmm. and it was you know all of that Play School designers worked right there with the Hasbro designers, and I had done so much work on the Dolly Surprise the previous year and a half or so that they actually transferred me to the Play School division my fourth year. So 1989, I was at in the Play School. I just moved down the hall. And so stuff started coming into the girls group then that I was unaware of. That's about the time that Cabbage Patch Kids came to Hasbro. I was not involved with that at all. And I'm not, I, I'm not an expert on the re- when the wrestling license, but when I, came, when I um, arrived at Tonka right after Christmas in 1989, um, Hasbro, I mean, Tonka had just acquired the WWF license and they had had that wrestling, soft wrestling toy concept batting, literally batting around the company for quite a while. Um, it had tested well with kids, but the upper management was just not really sure. They, the, the original wrestling buddies were, were not, didn't look like Hulk Hogan. They were kind of this bald headed. Is that the one you're holding in the black and white picture underneath the boss man? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's the one I'm holding. And they weren't particularly I've got I've got that image right in front of me, as a matter of fact. Um, they uh, they weren't attractive. They just they had ears and, and they're they didn't have um, they were actually bigger, quite a bit bigger. Uh, some they had rest, kind of a generic wrestling suit, you know, the singlet that's kind of cut low on the chest and the wrestling boots but they they didn't have an identity so they had just acquired the license and uh i i believe before i arrived they had asked several of the designers there to to sketch out what they thought the wrestling buddy could look like and um for whatever reason, because I had pretty strong drawing skills, when I came on, one of the first things they did was pull me into a meeting and ask me if I would be willing to give it a shot. Well, you know, of course, I'm <laughs> like I said, I've drawn dancing tacos, so I was more than happy. So, you know, I just drew what I thought because we had the basic shape. They, we knew the pose the wrestler was going to be, and we knew he was going to be very, uh, you know, kind of long-waisted with short little stumpy legs and the arms in that classic wrestling pose. That was pretty established. Mm-hmm. But we had to simplify the, the shape. You know, the original ones had a lot more seams in the face. They had lots of extraneous um, sewing, which would, which would be very costly. Sure. So we had to simplify it. And, you know, I sure wish I had my original sketch. Wouldn't that be kind of awesome? I don't have my original sketch, but they were pretty happy with what I came up with. And I have in my calendar um, on the, I think it was the 3rd of January. So I started at Tonka, something like the 27th or 28th of December. So we're talking right after Christmas and it's like a Wednesday or Thursday. So I work a couple of days and then we had new year's day off. And then the day, two days after new year, I'm already showing my first concept rendering in color, in full color of Hulk Hogan to get approval. So wow. I must have, you know, worked pretty fast to, to get that done. And of course, I was hired to um, 
be in the girls group, you know, designing dolls. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't, I, I guess my boss had to kind of lend me to the boys department. So throughout my entire, you know, two full two years at Tonka before they closed their doors, I was juggling working on dolls with working on wrestlers. And then the, uh, we did the Marvel power pals, which were the, uh, yeah. we did a, a, I did a Batman and an, and an incredible Hulk. Spider-Man, you know, I believe, the same right? Basic shape. I'm sorry, Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I had the Incredible I did Hulk. Spider-Man and the Incredible Hulk. Oh, I, I wow. got well. The 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 way I got the Incredible Hulk is I don't. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think those sold as well as the WWF ones. They did not. Uh, and I got one. Uh, you know, KB Toys used to be the liquidating toy store back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. so, so you'd be able to get things that initially first run didn't sell well for pretty cheap. Uh, he was on the shelf, the Incredible Hulk, at uh, KB Toy Store when I was a kid. And I'm like, oh, this guy, he could be, you know, I like the Hulk and I like Spider-Man. I read comics, but I saw him as just as a generic wrestler to to join my Hulk Hogan and my Macho King in, in the ring. Because uh, it was the exact same yeah, proportions. They would... Yeah. Exactly. So. I still have my Spider-Man prototype it, it, here in my studio. And then I have my, I still have my original renderings of incredible hulk and spider-man in my files so i have a few of my original um prototypes and drawings it's funny how things change kind of cool in 2020 uh, 2021 the hulk and spider-man would be huge (laughs) well that's why i think we were kind of surprised that spider-man and hulk didn't sell as well i mean it seemed to be a natural and you know, of course, in 1990, I actually started them in 1990, not 91. Uh, I have all my date books and I, I've gone back and I don't have some of those dates memorized. But but we started working on um, the Marvel Power Pals pretty early on. It wasn't like we did all the, the uh, wrestling buddies and then we decided to do the Marvel uh, characters. I'm pretty sure our marketing team was really active behind the scenes looking at uh, what else they could do. Mm -hmm. And and of course there was a lot of uncertainty in the entire year of 1990 as to how successful they'd be because, you know, we, when I came on board, as I said in my book, we had to have all of these prototypes ready for toy fair, which was in mid February. That is, that's like six weeks and so yeah. we didn't just want to have one of each of those fair care. I had to design the characters, which means that I had to, you know, take the time, do all of the drawings, do color renderings. We had to submit them to Titan Sports for approval. You know, in those days, I couldn't just shoot a picture and, you know, email it over. Right. They had to be photographed and mailed or maybe some black and white drawings would have been faxed. But we we just didn't have the technology to you know, instantaneously get approvals. And there were a number of visits to Stanford, uh, you know, with the, with the team, the marketing and design team uh, to get approvals and to show new designs that we did. So we had those four Titan sports picked the four wrestlers that they wanted us to do for the first run. And then, um, you know, I had to create the artwork and then we had to create prototypes because we not only needed them to show at Toy Fair, we could have had just one of each probably, but we had to do a commercial shoot, catalog shoot, and uh, all of the other promotional. So we had to have multiple copies of each one. So I had to draw each one. There was no magical method of trying. I created a, you know, a drawing of probably on large sheets of tracing paper and then transferred it to the white fabric but but I I made these on sewn buddies. They were not done on flat fabric. Right. I, so you told the story had, of going through boxes and boxes of markers. I listened to your interview on right. the, the major podcast, and you said right. you just got, went through boxes and boxes of markers, coloring these these pre-sewn fabric buddies uh, in your hotel room. Yeah, at night. trying. Exactly. Exactly. I was being relocated. My husband and three kids were still in Rhode Island. And so I was in the hotel by myself. And so I just sit there at night and color these, these wrestling buddies, but I would draw them, uh, you know, in the black line. And, you know, if you know what they look like, there's also some Brown and Mm -hmm. there's some little highlights and things. So I, I did all the drawing, uh, 
after the first set of samples, I had help with coloring. I would just, you know, we would have one, this is what they should look like. And then the team of, of, uh, employees, you know, they were other designers and things would help color. I did all the finished work. I did all the, you know, I, I did the belt on Hulk and I did the, you know, the sparkles on the million dollar man suit. Cause I, like drawing sparkles. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a girl's toy designer. <laughs> um, I did all the highlights, you know, cause those were just kind of my little special things, little special touches. And then, okay. So it went to toy fair in 1990 and it was, um, it was pretty well received. It wasn't a blockbuster hit. And so, you know, there was some concern because we had to go into production the, the thing about soft toys is the production cycle time is much shorter than plastic toys because you don't have to create molds, right. uh, which is, is the most expensive and the most uh, time-consuming part of the toy process is creating what we call tooling, which is, is right. the molds. And so you can, you can certainly make these faster. And the fabric was all the artwork. Um, I created the artwork. It went to a local Minneapolis graphic arts uh, firm who transferred my artwork to film. And then the films, which, which were used to create, you know, for the printing process, all of the films were sent to a company in Newark, New Jersey, which knit this is a knit fabric which knit the fabric and then printed it it was a sublimation printing process mm -hmm. so it was all done domestically however at once the fabric was printed it was shipped to mexico and and the finished buddies were sewn and uh stuffed and sewn and assembled in mexico and so it was but that's still pretty close to the u.s they didn't have to be sent on cargo ships from china right um so it was a, a little bit faster process, but we still didn't know, you know, how successful were these toys going to be? Were they going to be, you know, was this going to be a big flop? I, you know, honestly, I was not tuned into the wrestling world. Uh, we did, uh, the company did give us tickets. We went to a WrestleMania event in Minneapolis. I took my boys to that. They were thrilled. <laughs> um, we, um, you know, I be, I was reading wrestling magazines nonstop as part of my research. You know, I wanted to make sure everything was accurate. And, and of course, um, Titan Sports wanted, they sent us all kinds of material. And so I was pretty up to date with wrestling. But I still was not, I didn't know what the fan base was like for wrestling. And actually, I don't think I understood that until the last few years when all the, the wrestling fans have come out of the woodwork. I always kind of thought, oh, you know, G.I. Joe and Star Wars and those were like the big, big toys. I had oh, no. not a clue how popular wrestling toys was going to be until I started um, posting my stuff on Instagram and kind of got a taste of you crazy wrestling people. <laughs> yeah, for I, and I don't even follow the current product, but for me as a kid, Hulk Hogan was my idol and uh, anything Hulk Hogan and, and wrestling was, was you know, at... at 1990 1991 i was eight nine years old so you know he was it, it, it was a soap opera for kids and uh very tailored for us and i would say in my top three toy lines as a kid is uh wwf for sure um and that's that's saying a lot <laughs> when uh when my two middle kids were in high school they worked at a restaurant near us in California. We we're living in Southern California at the time. And I remember my older daughter who graduated from high school in 2000, but you, you were born in 82. Did you say? Yes. Yeah. She was born in 82. Yeah. So I graduated. So, uh, 2000 she was well. working. Right. So she was working at this restaurant while she was in high school. It was a, a pretty is a barbecue restaurant and it was pretty popular. Uh, sit-down restaurant. Hulk Hogan used to come in quite a bit because he lived near us. And I, I, you know, had I thought of it, you know, I would have said, oh, let me know. And when he comes in and I'll go down and tell him I designed his wrestling buddies. But, you know, I did, it never even occurred to me. It was like, yeah, he won't even care about that. That's <laughs> just, you know, that's old, that's old toy history. He probably gets that kind of stuff all the time. But I remember every time he'd come in, she'd, you know, let me know that Hulk had, and I don't think she even mentioned to him that, uh, 
Hulk kit that I designed wrestling buddies. Man, I, I bet he would have loved it uh, because his, his face, if you look at the, the old, if you look at the WWE Network and watch the old superstars from like 90 to 93, half the crowd is holding up wrestling buddies and most of them are Hulk Hogan. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. And for me, like I, that Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy was like, would be my teddy bear. I carried that thing. I slept with it. You know, I carried it everywhere. Uh, and, you know, wrestle it downstairs while we were watching wrestling, of course. Um, but I also had Macho King to wrestle, you know, and me and Hulk Hogan would team up because you needed a, a, a tag partner. Uh, but uh, so, but Hulk was your guy. Hulk was my guy. Hulk was my guy. Well, I can understand that. I mean, he was larger than life in every way. Yes, you know, he, he was. He had such great personalities. His distinctive look. I mean, and his longevity. There's no doubt about it. There's, there's not too many people that can top Hulk Hogan for, for a lengthy, successful career. Now, uh, you said Toy Fair 1990. I went to my first Toy Fair last year, uh, 2020, right before mm, the world I was there. collapsed. Yeah, it, and, and it was weird being yeah. there because there was a lot of talk. Anytime you talk to a vendor, it it eventually circle back to COVID being in China because that's where everything's coming from. Like, I don't know, I you know, know. what we're going to we get on show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was crazy, but uh, what was Toy Fair like in 1991 or 1990? Like back then, when you were when you were there with uh, Tonka? Well, back back in the you know back when I used to go to Toy Fair before 2002, I think is the year it changed. It was in the Toy Building, uh, what they call the Toy Building, which is down kind of next to the Flatiron Building in near Madison Square, oh, okay. not Madison Square Garden, but, but Madison, Madison Avenue, Square. So yeah. Down, yeah. Down where Madison and and I think it's is it 33rd anyway Broadway and it's 200 North Broadway was the um, toy building. There's that iconic clock that's in front of the building that they uh, that yeah, used I, to be used I know for the a lot building. of publicity. Yeah, I went to yeah. New York Film Academy in Union Square, so I was in that area a lot. Okay, right. So that's where that's where the that's where Toy Fair used to be, and it was. It was crazy. I mean, it would you'd, you'd walk up to these buildings. Well, there was the main toy building, and then there was uh, another couple of peripheral buildings because it was it got so big, kind of overflow. Um, in the in the 90s and early 2000s, and I wish I could remember exactly what year it moved to the Javits. I want to say 2002, something like that. 2001, 2002. I'm not a historian. I didn't do my homework and figure it out, but. <laughs> Um, when it was in the toy building, you'd, you'd walk up to the front and there would be all these cartoon characters or toy characters that were, you know, life. They were people dressed up like a life size toy character. So you might see a, a giant rainbow bright doll walking down the street or, uh, you know, they had all these characters and caterers and and it was just it was so exciting to walk in and all the companies had their own showrooms and they were literal showrooms. It wasn't like the Javits Center now where you kind of have a booth or a, um, a section. Sure. And depending on the size of your company or or the uh, confidentiality, you either have an open booth now, which is could be as large as, you know, I mean, it could be many, many, many yards large or just a small booth for tiny, tiny little companies. But, you know, there were all of these different showrooms. Some of the small companies would share showrooms, but most everybody had their own. And it was it, it seemed more exciting to me, although I love Toy Fair anytime. Mm -hmm. But I, I've just been lucky enough to have gone to enough Toy Fairs that I have seen what it was like in the old days. And of course, that, that toy building they'd used for Toy Fairs for, gosh, you know, 75 years or more, however many years it was since they had the first Toy Fair. And so uh, that was it was part of history. You know, you felt like it was just this continuation of history. Um, Tonka, you know, didn't have a huge showroom. And from what I recall, it was classy. Freddie Blassie was the guy who uh, the, okay. the Tonka hired to wrestle around with the, with the wrestling buddies. They didn't get, you know, the top tier guy, but they got a wrestler. And so he, you know, was out there demonstrating. I didn't actually see the showroom that year, um, but he was demonstrating it. And then, um, 
then in in 1991, the next year, it was, of course, by this time, wrestling buddies were a success. And so they, they, but they didn't know in 1990 how successful it was going to be. So there was a lot of nervousness. So, uh, but what ended up happening was by the beginning of the, you know, the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, 1990, wrestling buddies started flying off the shelves and it became a phenomenon, not maybe Cabbage Patch Kids phenomenon, but enough that there were, you know, fights in the aisles. Sure. And there yeah. might have been a few bloody noses or, you know, maybe a uh, maybe a black eye or two. But <laughs> but we were so excited because, you know, we were nervous about how it was going to be received. And, um, it, you know, there was just a massive sigh of relief that that gamble had paid off. And, you know, so many successes in, in the toy business are a gamble. There's uh, there aren't too many really successful toys that have just been, you know, from the moment they were conceived, they've just been phenomenally successful. There's always growing pains and, and there's, um, you know, failures. And, you know, I suppose for every, for every success, there's at least 10 flops. And, you know, I've worked on toy lines, worked on them for months and months, they get canceled or worked for a line. It, you know, it's shown at Toy Fair, it does pretty well. And then for whatever reason, sales aren't what they expected. They cancel the line, even after months and months of development are done. And, you know, it can be really disappointing, but it's just how it is. You know, right. you don't, you, you learn to not take it personally. You learn to not um, get too upset about it. I mean, any designer, that, especially if you're working in-house, you're working on multiple lines at the same time. While I was working on wrestling buddies, I was working on cupcake dolls uh, and other other products, which were my, also my huge with my sister. Books. My sister had ah, those. Cu- they, well, I'm they, glad they had a scent to them, right? Yeah, there was they did. there was so many. I remember yeah, so many they, of her toys had that like same strawberry or vanilla scent to them. <laughs> um, and a lot of them have have maintained their scent even after all the years. I worked on Moon Dreamers dolls, and unfortunately, I worked on the second year of Moon Dreamers. I designed all of the new Moon Dreamers dolls and and a couple of the other, um, you know, smaller characters. And after, you know, the first year, they canceled the line, and they had photographed everything. It was in the catalog, and then they they canceled the line. It was heartbreaking. But the thing, the cool thing about Moon Dreamers, I mean, these were done in 1986, right? They um, they all had glow in the dark hair, which was pretty innovative, mm. especially in the 80s. And and they had a glow in the dark feature of some kind on on their clothing there. You know, you could get vinyl that had a glow in the dark feature or maybe there was a deco that had a glow in the dark feature. Those dolls still glow in the dark today. Wow. And I just great. I love when people send me a picture and I see they've got a, a Moon Dreamer doll and it still glows or a strawberry shortcake doll that still smells good you know i just know that that somebody did something right now uh a lot of you mentioned tooling with wrestling figures and i know hasbro that was an issue they had because wwf wrestlers would change from their character or from good guy to bad guy so often it would be hard to get a figure out and and have it match storyline on time so that was one of the issues they had with Hasbro at the time, from what I've read. Uh, you said this was really quick, I, and, I, and I know you had those bouncy body slammer wrestlers that never made shelves. <laughs> like, what, what stopped Tonka yeah, that... from, from making more buddies, like the tugboat buddy and these body slammer buddies? Like, I, if they could have produced them so quickly and stayed with Storyline, it could have been, a, I feel like, a hit for a few years. So much that Toy Biz made WCW ones that were a r- complete ripoff not even the original WCW ones, but the second, the the talking ones that they did in like 97 were just a rip off of your designs, but they were successful because I worked at KB at the time and uh, they flew off the shelves. Well, I, I'm just going to give you my opinion. Okay. okay? And I, I don't know necessarily have any data to back it up. And sure. I certainly am not, I, I'm not saying this to disparage anyone. I have really good relationships with my Hasbro colleagues from before I went to Tonka and that I've stayed in touch with through the years. Um, the biggest thing that happened was that Hasbro bought Tonka. 
and shut us down. So at the beginning of 1991, in January, um, Hasbro announced that they had bought Tonka. And so that was that was right after our first, you know, our fourth quarter success with Wrestling Buddies. And we um, we were reassured, which is probably pretty common when acquisitions and things like buyouts happen. We were reassured that Hasbro was going to leave us alone, that we were they wanted to buy the company, but that we were not in danger of losing our jobs. Everything was going to stay the same. But that's not exactly what happened. Um, and again, I'm not saying this to disparage Hasbro because I, I have nothing but you know fine things to say about Hasbro. But the wrestling buddies went to Hasbro as part of the acquisition. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Hasbro also, but I mean Tonka, it was there were three companies that were part of that buyout because Tonka owned Kenner and Parker Brothers, mm-hmm. which might seem odd that little Tonka would own Kenner, which was a bigger company, but. Somehow that's how the business was structured. And so um, the idea was that Parker Brothers, which was a game company, would be easily absorbed into Milton Bradley. Hasbro owned Milton Bradley, the game company. And and so that w- that kind of made sense, I guess, in some ways. It seems a little monopolistic to me, but sure. somehow it made business sense for them to own Parker. So I wasn't involved with the Parker Brothers part of the business. But what what was decided was that the girls – lines would go to Kenner and the boys lines would go to Hasbro. Now Hasbro was very interested in the Tonka truck business right? because Tonka trucks were just, you know, iconic brand. And so our main truck designer actually, you know, left Minneapolis and went to Rhode Island and went to work for many years for Hasbro doing the Tonka trucks. So um, the wrestling buddies were kind of in an awkward position because they were, uh, a soft product. And so I, I, my, my opinion, and I, I really can't speak exactly. Tonka was a really small company. There mm-hmm. were uh, just a handful of designers that worked, you know, there were probably, I think a maximum of 10, maybe not even 10 designers. And so in the girls group, there were four or five designers, the boys group, there were four or five designers and probably a couple of people that just kind of did um, other kinds of things. I mean, it wasn't a very big company. And so we were all pretty flexible. You know, we could do a lot of things. I worked, uh, you were talking about that photo of me uh, that was in the newspaper where I'm holding the buddy, the woman who's opposite of me, she was the soft goods, what we call soft goods engineer. She was the one that created the actual soft form and all the pattern work. She had a team of people working for her. Mm-hmm. And so she and I worked really closely together. You, you don't always have that in larger toy companies where you're working one-on-one with the soft goods engineer. You know, you're, it's just not necessarily how it is because you've got so many layers of employees doing so many special things, but we had to be a little bit more flexible. So my thinking, and I could be wrong, and maybe I should talk to some of my old Hasbro buddies, was that when a soft product like Wrestling Buddies went to Hasbro, they didn't have anybody in their boys' team who knew anything about soft goods mm-hmm. or fabric fabric toys, soft toys. You know what I'm saying? It's like you sure. have to understand the patterns and the sewing and the fabric and all of that stuff. But, I, but they just I bought, think, what's confusing is they just bought Tonka, which had that. So just have them absorbed into it. But do you feel like for just no, one line? Because, well, it, it would be, if they had, le- if they had, if they had left us alone, because we continued to develop the toys all through 1991, mm-hmm. we didn't actually shut our doors until the very last day. December 31st, 1991 was when Tonka shut its door. So the very end. So we worked for an entire year during that transition time, continuing to create new things. But once they shut our doors, you know, they didn't offer me. A, I mean, I, I actually went to Hasbro kind of as a token gesture, but I'd already worked there. I was not interested in moving back to Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And my my pal, Pat, that did the soft goods, she wasn't interested in going to Hasbro. She was a Minnesota girl. So um, they they didn't offer, you know, they, they didn't leave us in place. They shut us down. And so all of that expertise kind of went with them. And I don't think... They had they had people at Hasbro that had those kind of skills, 
but it wasn't part of the boys team. You mm, see what I'm saying? Sure. It was the it was the people who were designing soft dolls and plush and you know products like that and to have to have taken that project just I, I don't think they maybe they thought that they would do it for a while but I I think they just realized that they were a little bit out of that just wasn't their um, strength was you know continuing to create new figures um, I was um, during after Tonka closed I actually was uh, contracted to create the next wave. And I only discovered this during my time interviewing with Mike Bazufi of Fig Heel. I went back and was looking at my, my date books after I left Tonka, after Jonka closed, mm. there was a six month window of time after Tonka. I had just had a baby. Uh, my, my little one, Annie, the one that likes the popples, she was born in November of 1991. And so I had a brand new baby. I was out of a job and there was a six month break before I went to work for Fisher Price in summer of 1992. And so I, I found in my notebook, a, um, an entry where I had been contracted by a particular design director at Tonka to design the next wave of wrestling buddies. And I have a list of what all those wrestlers were. And then within a week it was canceled. So I had, you know, I have in my notebook, the list I had, I had sent him a, a kind of a checklist of all the things that I was going to have to do. You know, I was going to have to have patterns made and I was going to have to make prototypes. And so I had kind of a schedule and a list and a quote. And then it was like January the 8th of 1992 by the 15th, the job was canceled. Oh no. So who were the wrestlers? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, um, that's a good question. And I had it at the time, but I'd have to dig out my notebook. There were, um, undertaker, I believe was one. Um, you know, if you want me to edit this call at, at no, a later no, time no, and no, come it's... back and tell you who those were, I could, I, I, you know, I, there were at least, at least six wrestlers. I, I could I've probably guess in 1992, book. it probably was maybe Sean, uh, maybe Sean Michaels or Razor Ramon or Bret Hart. I know that I was going to do the hearts, uh, at least yeah. Bret Hart. Yeah. So I'm sure he was on the list. Yeah. Well, Undertaker Sergeant, for sure. I, you know, I know that at one, and I know at one time I was going to do Sergeant Slaughter. There were with the wrestling buddies, there were some issues because of headgear. You know, when you have somebody that's known for wearing a big hat, that's really going to be harder because that's part of the identity was these costumes. So we also had to be, you know, with Macho Macho Man, you know, making a crown for him. You could kind of fake that, not super well, but you could kind of fake that. But, you know, a big cowboy hat or, or a, you know, a ranger kind of hat might have been a little bit harder to know exactly how we were going to handle that. But, uh, oh, yeah. It says um, here in your book, yeah. it was Sergeant Slaughter, The Undertaker, and Brett the Hitman Hart. And um, well, a deluxe one with sound and removable belt. Right. now, But those were Tonka. Those oh, were those still were Tonka. at Tonka. Okay, okay. What, I'm, what I'm talking about was after we were closed, I was contacted by a, a, a design director at Hasbro and oh, asked to design the next wave. Oh, gotcha. yeah. So they were, they were going to continue it, which makes they sense. They were going to continue, but it didn't take, um, it didn't take, well, I mean, it was like within a week and it was early, it was mid-January they canceled. So it was like two weeks after Tonka closed or a week after Tonka closed, I was contacted. I came back with a, you know, a quote, a schedule of what I was going to do. A week later, they contacted me and said, we're, it's done, we're, we're, it's off. So there was no more, but they would have had me do it as a freelancer. And it's, it's also possible that if they had contract contracted me to do that amount of work, I might not have even gone to work at Fisher price right. because I would have been kept so busy by Hasbro. Sure. And so it's, you know, that, that, but that, those years at Fisher price, that was part of my, you know, my toy history and my, trajectory of my career and you know it, there's always all those what ifs but uh honestly as much as i love doing wrestling buddies i i don't think i would have wanted to have spent my entire career designing wrestling buddies i was no, yeah, so yeah. happy to do them to come back and do different 
things that were similar, but I was also happy to design cupcakes and princess dolls and my little ponies and, you know, all the other fun things that I've designed. When you uh, were at Mattel in the the mid nineties, it says you worked on Polly Pocket. Yeah, I did work on Polly Pocket, um, but most of what I did actually was after I left in 97. They were relaunching um, the fashion Polly. And so I did, you know, in the next 10 years or so, I did a lot of work for uh, starting in about 97, starting to work on fashion Polly and then that whole genre, probably up until about. 2005 or six, I was working on Polly Pocket. So that that was part of my group, but my contribution was not that great. I really mostly worked on um, Cabbage Patch Kids and the relaunch of Chatty Cathy. And uh, there were dolls that were originally called Little Miss Dolls that kind of were re redone by uh, Mattel, changed the sculpt and were trying to relaunch them. They were very the, the Little Miss dolls were very 90s, very 90s aesthetic, and they wanted to modernize them. And, and I did a bunch of those, which ended up not being produced. I was just in the large and small dolls group. So okay. kind of everything that was a doll that wasn't Barbie. Well, you might still be able to answer this question, and I don't know if you will or not. But when, when McDonald's would put out the Happy Meals that were uh, co-branded with Mattel, uh, w- mm-hmm. would you guys work on those designs or, or did McDonald's have their no, own separate company no. do that? Yeah, there were company, we called them premium toy companies and they were the uh, toy companies that created all the happy meals. I've, I've freelanced for several premium companies. I did, uh, I did some premium toys for littlest pet shop a, a few years ago not for McDonald's. It was for actually for Subway. Okay. But, uh, you know, there have been a couple of times in my career. But, yeah, the premium to- companies are different from the toy companies. So we didn't um, – sometimes, you know, there, I know, I've known people who have gone – you know, who have started at a premium company and then come to work at a regular toy company or vice versa. You know, it's, it's kind of fun to see uh, different ways that toys are, are created, different kinds of companies that create them. Yeah, that's. Uh, I always wondered because uh, a lot of the times they would. It would always seem like a. I know, and cost was involved, like a cheap knockoff of the actual t- toy. But their the design language is close, so I wasn't sure if, if you were. If, yeah, there had to be a. Well, they were almost all licensed characters, so of right. course there would be style guides or or guidance. When I was designing the Littlest Pet Shop, you know, I was given a lot of reference from the design director who hired me to do the job, you know, to make sure that I got the characters, even though I was just doing concept drawings, you know, for, I I think I came up with five or six different concepts and then they picked one to produce and, and they, I didn't design the final, you know, the final toys I designed. I did the concepts um, that they would pick from and then they, turn them over probably to somebody that they had on their staff inside in the company. Gotcha. Now, uh, 1991, uh, you were working at Tonka, but you did have kids about our, our age. Did you, were you aware of what toys, what toys they were playing with at the time? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. My, my son who was born in 1985, who was ended up, he's, he's ended up with some of my wrestling toys have been passed on to him uh, he was crazy about um, Ghostbusters. Oh, so and was so, I, yeah. Well, you know, Kenner did the Ghostbusters toys, and when, when I interviewed... Oh, that at, was your company, technically, at, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was technically my company, right. So when I interviewed at Tonka, they had a, a company store, a toy store. And so I picked up a Ghostbusters, some kind of a... I don't know, slime gun or something like that. <laughs> and I went to, I went to bring it back. You know, I was, I had to fly back to Rhode Island and I had this toy for him and it got confiscated because it was oh, a gun. No. It was, a, it was a ghost. And this was 1990, beginning of 89 or the beginning of 90. Right. So it was, um, it was way early. And I, I think, I think they finally sent it to me. I, but I remember just being horrified that they would think it was a weapon. It's like, wait a minute, it's in the <laughs> packaging. It says Ghostbusters. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that Ghostbusters. I actually, uh, as a kid, I got into the cartoon, the real Ghostbusters, before 
I even knew there was a movie. And I remember being at my grandparents and my aunt, I was really young. I was probably four or five. She's like, do you know there's a movie? And I look back at my mom like, there's a movie? And of course, you know, oh, wow. but I, the real Ghostbusters was a huge, huge, huge. And and that, uh, have you seen the Kenner re-releases? Now that I guess Hasbro owns, of course, uh, Hasbro got the Ken- Ghostbusters rights back from Mattel. They, they're re-releasing the Kenner toys uh, in the original oh, packaging. Oh, that's awesome. No, I haven't seen that. My uh, my boys, my older son um, was really, he's he was born in 79, so he's a little bit older. And he was really into star wars so and and still he's a screenwriter and he and my younger son who is has a film company they actually have done they're working on their second star wars film fan film oh that's awesome with very high very high production values because uh, my younger son has got uh, you know, he's in Los Angeles. He's got a film company in Los Angeles and he has access to a, a, an amazing talent. So my older son is a screenwriter. He's written the, the screenplays based on some concepts that were come up with some of my other son's team who are also, you know, in the film industry. So this is, you know, this Star Wars love has gone on for many, many years but I always remember, you know, him being loving action figures and but especially, especially Star Wars. And then he loved Lego, you know, like mm-hmm. who doesn't. But my my younger son, the one born in 85, he was not as much a Lego fan. He he liked vehicles and uh, and toys from other, you know, he loved, 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 loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah, Turtles same here. And and Ghost and Ghostbusters. So that, those were probably the big things. My big three would probably be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters, and WWF uh, growing up. Those were Mm -hmm. the three toy lines. And, of course, you get one or two from, like, I remember Wild West Cowboys and Moo Mesa, you know. uh, (laughs) Oh, Moo Mesa, yeah. 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 I've had some uh, Toy Biz Mm -hmm. X-Men figures and, and of course, Kenner Batman figures. We all loved Kenner Batman. Yeah, those were the best. Yeah, they loved those, too. But, uh, yeah, growing up... uh, Kenner was like the the toy line of amongst all toy lines. If there was a Kenner line out, you had it. Um, it's interesting. I had actually two opportunities to go work for Kenner. Um, I interviewed with Kenner before I went to Hasbro. So in nineteen, it would have been late nineteen eighty five. Uh, I went. I went out and interviewed there and went to uh, TCFC, which is those characters from Cleveland, mm-hmm. which is. Uh, American Greetings character licensing division. They're the ones who came up with, you know, Care Bears and Popples, right? And many of the, uh, no, that was actually Popples was um, was Hallmark. Oh, okay. am I saying no? Wait a minute, Pop, no, no, no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, King's actually right. I was thinking of Starbird. I mean, uh, Rainbow Bright. Rainbow Bright. No, yes, Popples was uh, Popples was the, done by TCFC. Yes, right. Rainbow Bright. Popples, TCFC, Rainbow Bright was was uh, Hallmark, and Strawberry Shortcake so I, was was American Greetings, right? Was he yeah. was American Greetings, yeah. right? So I interviewed there, and and then I interviewed at Hasbro, and all three of them offered me a job, and with only wow. about a year of experience under my belt, but you know, ha- but working at Mattel opened up a lot of doors, and so I had to pick, and I had a, a kind of a mentor who had been in the toy industry. His brother was the CEO of Tyco Toys. Okay. And he was the head of a toy company in Los Angeles. And he he became my mentor. And and still, you know, in his advancing years, is still a mentor to me. I still go to him for questions anyway. So I went to him and I said, I've been offered a job at all three of these places. What do you think I should do? And he said, he says, I think Hasbro is um, a better fit for you and, they seem to be ascending, you know, they had just bought play school and, um, and Milton Bradley and, and they seem to be coming up in the world. And so I did, and I think it was the right choice. And then later after Tonka bought, um, I mean, I'm sorry, after Hasbro bought Tonka, um, I went to and interviewed at Kenner again. Of course I was seven months pregnant and I was probably not, didn't look like anybody they'd want to hire, <laughs> but, Uh, You know, I I, because of the nature of the buyout, had I wanted to, I probably could have gone to Kenner, but I opted to not 
I, I wanted to kind of see what my what else was out there. So I ended up going to Fisher Price, and that was probably a better and job Fish, for me. Fisher Price is now owned by Hasbro too, right? Or or Mattel? I know I think Mattel. Mattel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get me started on all these buyouts. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. You know, there's there's good things, but it's you know it's tough. It's tough on everybody. You know. Um, but there's always new companies coming up. There's, you know, who'd ever heard of Moose Toys or Spin Master back then or some of the or other Jazzwares companies. Jazzwares is another big one. That's, uh, or Jazzwares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've I've lucky I've been lucky enough to have freelanced for all those. Oh, well, I worked full time for Spin Master in the mid 2000s. Um, they were a great company. I worked in their L.A. office. Yeah, they really have, enjoyed uh, Spin Master. And, they have a lot of Batman toys out right now that are really cool. Yeah, I think those were probably all done in their Toronto office. The, the LA office is probably more of their dolls and girls products, but not all. Anyway, Spin Master's an awesome company, and Jazzwares, I've done some work for them, and and uh, Moose, and you know, there's some international, other international companies. It's, you know, the toy business it just changes. That's just the nature of it, and I I'm grateful. I I think the biggest disappointment was the closing of Toys R Us. Right. I was just going to ask you, do you you think think, KB Toys and Toys R Us shutting down hurt the toy business? Oh, hugely, hugely. And it, it, you know, I don't think you can measure what it's done to the toy business. And I think um, I worked for Toys R Us too, you know, so I have a, not just the fact that my toys that I designed were sold there, but I was also an employee of, of Toys R Us in from 2012 to 2015 and really enjoyed my time there. I left before. You were there right the up to the end almost. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But I have a lot of friends who stayed to the end and that was not a happy, happy ending. But, but the thing about Toys R Us, it's not just that, you know, they were a big toy store. The fact is that if you can close your eyes and just visualize walking into a Toys R Us store, the enormity and the selection sure. that was available at Toys R Us cannot be surpassed. I mean, KB couldn't touch it. No. The 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 marts, you know, Walmart and and Target, Target. they can't touch it because the Target their their section their toy sections are. Uh, they've, they've enlarged them, but they'll only be able to carry, they only want to carry the successful toy brands, right? I mean, they're not stupid. They're business people. They're going to sell the top licensed toys, the top movie toys, the top Barbies, the top, you know, the Lego play sets. They're not going to carry the little mom and pop toy company who has a small line of educational toys, for right. example, or just some of the smaller, lesser known toy companies. And so it created you know, a, a kind of a desert for a while, but I think things are starting to, you know, to um, change, turn around. I mean, I, I heard that Toys R Us, maybe they've got a new buyer. I, I will be excited if they do. I'm, yeah, that's I'm great news. Cautiously optimistic, cautiously optimistic about it. So I don't know and when you- what that's going to be. I mean, when you read the full story and you see that it wasn't the fact that Toys R Us didn't have a market anymore. Their their sales were still fine. It was just uh, they were they're being Bad sold debt. Decisions. It was horrible business decisions by people who knew nothing yeah, about horrible. toys. Uh, yeah, just business conglomerates. The same thing happened to KB Toy Store with Bain Capital just deciding that they're worth more to them shut down than they were open. And I, and I loved KB, and they, of course they were more liquidated. You worked there. Yeah, I worked there. Uh, I started in. Um, uh, 97 uh, November I got a seasonal job in 97 and then they kept me on board and I stayed there through uh up until the beginning of 2000 in high school uh when I started working in television like part-time but uh I uh I loved KB Toy Store and I love like that being able to get toys like three for ten action figures even if it's not something you want yeah that's that was clutch because that's what KB was known for and um I mean, think about all of those toy chains that used to be out there, you know, Child World and, and, Kitty you know, there were, there were Kitty City. We didn't have those in California, but, right. but there were, you know, there were the big, when I worked at Hasbro, I remember going to all of the big, uh, toy stores that were nearby and they were almost as big as, some of them were almost as big as Toys R Us. And, 
you know, I didn't care which one we went to. We just wanted to be able to have access to the best toys. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think one of the problems with Toys R Us was, was their online, uh, you know, kind of, they kind of got, they, they kind of got delayed or they slowed down or they didn't really put all of their online eggs in, in the basket at a time that they probably could have been. They didn't handle that maybe as well as they could have. And when I was an employee there, um, I was probably in about 2013, long, you know, five years before they shut their doors. I was part of a, a, a task force that was tasked with coming up with new and better ideas about how we could enhance the shopping experience. You know, so we were looking at all kinds of in-store things that we could do to make it more exciting, you know, having a, a play yard in the middle of the, uh, in the middle of the store for kids to just play. Uh, you know, I, I just remember ideas, you know, we, we came up with ideas. We had brainstorms, we put together PowerPoint shows and, you know, presented them to the company and, you know, they probably didn't do anything with them, but, you know, they were always looking at ways to enhance the experience. I just think that, they couldn't compete ultimately with Amazon, who just, you know, at the time Toys R Us started their website. Uh, Amazon wasn't really in the toy business, but they, or at least they weren't, they didn't have a huge toehold in the toy business. But as Amazon saw an opening, and I'm not a business expert, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly not trying to speak from any knowledgeable business. This is just observations as a, you know, as a, uh, relatively interested uh, bystander. Uh, you know, I have a vested interest, but I, I'm not a businesswoman, so I can't really speak to uh, detailed business. Just my impressions that I got, that they kind of got into the online um, retail business a little too late and didn't handle it as well as they possibly could have. So, you know, it was sad, but, you know, if they're able to come back and something happens, we, we need them. We, we need do. I agree. Us. I agree fully. Well, thank you so much for uh, giving us an hour. Um, I'm going to upload this. I record. I'm going to upload this to our YouTube channel uh, and then use use my notes for our podcast on Wednesday. Um, but tell uh, everybody listening where they can uh, get your book and find your Instagram. Sure. Um, you can order my book from stephanieescanderdesign.com. My name is spelled with an F. So it's S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E. Eskander, E-S-K-A-N-D-E-R, design.com. And my uh, Instagram is Steph Designs Toys. And I'll link to both of those on radiers.com for you. So if you guys just want to go there, uh, you'll, I'll have the interview there, and I'll have a link to get the book and to find her Instagram. It's definitely a must-follow because uh, she has some great – I think your Instagram is fantastic. I love looking at all the stuff you post every day, especially the Hulk Hogan – uh, eyebrows under the bandana, above the bandana controversy. <laughs> uh, if you want to see more of that, I'm, you gotta. I hope I figured it out. I, it's, I read, I just read it before we actually got on the, the phone, and it looks like you figured you got to the bottom of it. So that's awesome. I hope I did. Thank you. It was really great talking to you, Ryan. I appreciate your time. It was fun. Thank you so much. And um, uh, make sure to check out and get a copy of this book because it's a great read, and the pictures alone will take you down memory lane uh thank you so much stephanie thanks ryan bye-bye yep bye-bye